episodes of Interlay's podcast, we had an interview with Lika Glunti, director of the National Erasmus Office in Tbilisi, who provided a general overview on the Georgian higher education institutions and their involvement in the Erasmus Plus program. The No EU project, enhancing knowledge on Georgians' EU integration among ethnic minorities, is the topic of today's program. The project is co-funded by the European Union Erasmus Plus Jean Monnet Action. What is this action about? In brief, the Jean Monnet activities are designed to promote excellence in teaching and research in the field of European Union studies worldwide. The activities also foster the dialogue between the academic world and policy makers, in particular with the aim of enhancing governance of EU policies. European Union studies comprise the study of Europe in its entirety, with particular emphasis on the European integration process in both its internal and external aspects. The discipline also covers the role of the EU in the globalized world and in promoting an active European citizenship and dialogue between people and cultures. Uh, when it comes to the supported types of activities, the, the, the main ones are teaching and research, uh, meaning Jean Monnet modules, chairs and centers of excellence, support to associations, which is called Jean Monnet support to associations, and policy debate with the academic world, which is called Jean Monnet networks and Jean Monnet projects. As usual, we will publish on our social media all the relevant links concerning this program, so we don't need to go too much into detail. So why is the scope of this project of particular relevance today? Inclusiveness and protection of minorities are today high on the EU agenda and they will also be included in the main priorities for the next Erasmus Plus program. Moreover, in these times of Euroscepticism, growing populism, refugee crisis, the promotion of European values and actions that bring to the attention of the public the impact that the EU policies and actions have on their lives will also be in focus in the program period 2021-2027. So. Today we have with us Diana Lashava, who will tell us more about the activities and results of this interesting No EU project. But uh, who is Diana? Diana Lashava is an administrative director of the Center for Social Sciences and uh, research fellows at CSS Education and Development Program. She also works for the American Research Institute of the South Caucasus as a resident director of its Georgia branch. Uh, Diana has extensive experience in project development and management, financial administration, organization management, and collaboration with local and international donors, including various EU grant programs, meaning mainly Erasmus Plus, Horizon 2020, and Maria Slodowska Curie. The Center for Social Sciences, for which she works, is a Tbilisi-based non-governmental research organization focused on the evidence-based social research and analysis. The CSS mission is to support the development of creative evidence-based research in social sciences in Georgia that would be useful for society. CSS has particular experience in education, development, foreign policy and security. European integration and gender equality and a vast experience in developing graduate programs at the university level.
Diana Lechala, you're warmly welcome to this Interlace podcast. How are you? I'm okay, thank you. How are you? We're fine. We had an interview with the national office in Georgia and she recommended us to contact you regarding your project. So could you please provide us uh, with some general background about yourself and about your institution? Sure. So uh, my name is Diana Lejava. I am uh, I represent Center for Social Sciences. This is a Tbilisi-based non-governmental research organization uh, that operates operates since 2003. Uh, for, for first um, t- around 10 years, it was uh, mainly affiliated with Ivana Javakishvili Tbilisi State University, um, helping the university to develop masters in the Western style masters and PhD programs. Uh, that's when I joined uh, the organization in, back in 2010. Um, uh, but for last uh, for about last five six years, uh, we have been transformed to a research purely research organization, mainly doing academic research in different directions like uh, higher education and labor market, gender studies, and Europeanization. Uh, we also have foreign policy and security research program, but the higher education and Europeanization are the like leading ones. Uh, in addition to research, we um, frequently do the projects uh, that I'm going to speak like the projects like uh, the one that I'm going to speak about today, uh, which is funded by uh, Erasmus Plus Jean Monet Activities Program. Um, so I, I work in the organization as an administrative director as well as a researcher. My field of research is higher education in general. And as you said, you're here to represent the No EU project. And we know that it um, aims to enhance knowledge about and promote discussion on the questions related to the EU and Georgia's European integration. And this is done among Georgia's three uh, ethnic minorities. Uh, can you please uh, yes. explain to us, uh, give us some background information on the genesis of the project and how the project idea uh, that you addressed came into the picture and why. Sure. So this project, uh, this is actually the second second project we are conducting with the Jean Monnet funding. The first one uh, we uh, conducted in 2016 and it was, it targeted to raise the awareness of um, representatives of academia uh, about EU integration. As I mentioned, one of our research is the Europeanization of, uh, of the country and the different aspects of uh, integration. So we see that there is a uh, very scarce knowledge among the population about the uh, about uh, the EU and EU integration, its role uh, in Georgia's uh, foreign politics and related stuff. Uh, so when we were conducting that, uh, the pre- like the first project funded by Jean Monnet, uh, one of the target regions was Samskajavakati region, which is very densely populated by the ethnic minorities. Uh, and we saw that uh, ethnic minorities are the most vulnerable group in that terms, like the, there is very scarce knowledge about the EU, and the, the, those regions are uh, the ones that have the least support of Georgia's EU integration. And if you, if you uh, also look at regular public opinion polls, you will see that uh, even though the support of the population 
to, to, towards the uh, EU integration is quite high and stable. Ethnic minorities are the groups that have the least support among, among the other populations. So um, we saw that on the ground, and that's uh, when this idea of uh, uh, working with the ethnic minority groups came from. Um, and when uh, we, we decided to apply for Jean Monnet project, uh, um, we decided to target those minorities and especially the youth from from that minorities because you know there is uh, if if I, if I may add um, um, the pro it's uh, the problem related to ethnic minorities is not is uh, is the lack of knowledge proper knowledge and wide access to anti-EU propaganda because uh, because of the lack of knowledge language uh, language skills uh, the um, ethnic minority groups especially Armenian ethnic Armenians and ethnic Azerbaijani uh, different from the key population third ethnic ethnic group we are working with Armenians and uh, Azerbaijani population have very scarce language skills, thus they are more exposed to Russian propaganda, anti-EU propaganda, and uh, have very little knowledge of uh, why Georgia's Western course is that important for the country's development. So that was the target uh, audience we wanted to, we wanted to uh, share knowledge with and uh, fill this gap of, uh, gap of actual knowledge they have. How did you compose this partnership and why exactly did you choose these partners and how did they complement each other and in which way do, do they provide what the project needs? Yeah, um, so um, those, the ethnic minority groups, as I mentioned, are quite closed and they are kind of alienated from the rest of the population and it's, it's a bit difficult to um, access those uh, groups, especially for the, because of the language skills, because they do not speak fluent Georgian, we do not speak fluent Armenian or Azerbaijani, plus our center, as I mentioned, is a research center and we are mostly focused on doing uh, academic research and we very rarely um, go into the population as such to have proper links there. And we understood that we need local part needed local partners um, uh, from, from these groups that would help us recruit proper, uh, like the, those people we wanted to engage. So this project is actually a, uh, directed at a young local activists. And in order to select those young local activists that would later on work as a, uh, a so-called knowledge disseminators, we needed this proper recruitment strategy. And one of the uh, ways out from this situation, just to go into deeper the region and properly select the people, was to hire um, local um, regional NGOs and uh, small organizations that actually work on the ground, know people, they are, have less uh, obstacles in accessing, uh, accessing the um, uh, local communities. So we uh, found, we, we um, uh, get, to, uh, we tried to find those organizations uh, over there and identified three of them. Uh, and these are the uh, Azerbaijani, uh, from the, for the Azerbaijani ethnic minority group, this is the Journalist Network for Gender Equality. Uh, for Armenians, there is Georgians Armenians Union. And in case of Pan Isigord, which has less uh, problems in respect to the knowledge, but still this is a very closed group um, with the quite a, a stereotype that there is a so how to say so um 
less integrated, less integrated compared to other groups uh, into the rest of the population. So we decided to also in involve them. So for this region, we um, contacted Kaheti Regional Development Foundation, who um, helped us to um, target the uh, proper, proper activists who would later on work on the ground. We conducted those organizations and uh, we engaged one uh, local coordinator for each region that would that would be uh, involved in the project from the beginning to the very end and help us uh, help us conduct all those events we have to, we have planned. You have now mentioned uh, some of the main activities that you carried out during the project lifetime, but if you have to think about one that was particularly uh, of impact, so with the highest impact, more remarkable, that gave more most value mm -hmm. to your project. Which one would you mention that you were impressed by its results? So right now, this project is still in progress. We have only conducted two major activities, uh, two seasonal schools. One for one was for media, um, local media representatives, but the second was uh, was for um, young activists from the regions. And I would really. Uh, distinguish the, la the latest seasonal school that we had in August. Uh, we had five uh, young activists from each region and this seasonal this school was really outstanding because these young people were so motivated and enthusiastic and willing to cooperate. They had lots of ideas for further collaboration and for uh, like inter-regional collaboration. They gave us some ideas even for, the, for this project not only for further activities but within this project and uh, we think that uh, this was I, I truly believe that this uh, seasonal school was really outstanding that that really showed us that this project was worth doing after and however we have lots of activities left um, in the aftermath of this uh, seasonal school so uh, so far the second one was the best definitely yeah, we will follow up with you when the project is concluded maybe then you will be <laughs> when, when is the project due to yeah. be completed what's the date uh, well, this project is due to, uh, should, should be over by April if everything goes smoothly. However, uh, biggest challenge is not only in our case, but all over the world, the biggest challenge is related to COVID-19 because uh, uh, this project is like the phase, two, the, the, this project is all about events, face-to-face -face meetings, workshops, seminars. Uh, so far, we, we are able to conduct two events, but, um, and one was as what, what I was talking about was in August when the situation was much calmer in Georgia but right now we are not sure whether we will be able to uh, continue in that in the same way in fall uh, it, it depends on on the general situation in the country and um, uh, it's 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 it won't have that impact do, uh, if we conduct these seminars online as it would be in case of offline events. So we will see and we will follow up uh, with the uh, with our donor based on based on the actual situation in fall. Hopefully, we will finish in April, but I'm not sure. If we look a little bit beyond the project lifetime, how will you use the result after the project's closure? And, and are there any activities that you think might be replicated after that by others or? 
Um, actually, yeah, the, uh, we of course have not planned any follow-up project so far because we, we only, as I mentioned, did only two events out of many. However, what, uh, uh, what was very interesting with that uh, latest seasonal school, youth summer school as we call it, was this inter-regional cooperation that can be further supported. Um, uh, before that, before that seasonal school, we did not really think of how to connect these three separate regions with one another. We only had set a uh, list of uh, activities that we, we that we planned for them. However, uh, the, the idea of uh, working together as a follow-up, um, uh, maybe a project, maybe just a several uh, series of events or uh, whatever they decided to they decide to do uh, is is the uh, good way to go forward because um, um, it is very important to support the youth to collaborate and one more thing that came up uh, is the uh, involvement of not only the ethnic minority representatives but also the ethnic majority representatives in these events so this group of people would uh, work on their own ideas independently, maybe with the support of the centers like us uh, or other, other NGOs or other universities uh, uh, that, that work uh, in the direction of European studies or dissemination of knowledge about EU. Uh, it would be really ideal so the organization like the organizations like us would support um, the youth to conduct like joint research, uh, jo joint projects uh, with one another. And what we can do is uh, help them uh, raise funds because one of the activities actually what we uh, practical practical uh, trainings that we did uh, within the seasonal school was to uh, conduct this um, training on project proposal writing. Uh, I think that these are the uh, areas where we can help them because they have lots of wonderful ideas and they need, they need access, they need the network Working. They need uh, they need to be supported on how to actually write the projects and apply for the funds, EU funds or other local donors doesn't doesn't really matter. But anyway, that's the that's the area to explore, I guess, uh, for the future. Will you have any concrete outputs, transferable outputs, like guidelines or uh, standards for training that you will make available? Um, we will we will have this uh, we will publish the training materials uh, that we used during this uh, event. Also, as a as a uh, uh, completion of the project, we will produce a policy document based on the narratives of the population uh, and the participants of our event, the beneficiaries uh, regarding the challenges they see uh, in the in the way of the EU integration, uh, the problems they have, uh, the how they see this. Uh, problems to be solved, what are their ways that they, they themselves identify and these policy documents will be presented on the final stage to the local authorities on three final events, each one, each event organized in each uh, target region. Uh, and uh, we also, actually we also produced a series of very short podcasts um, uh, share when, when where these um, participants of our events share their uh, experience uh, while participating in those events, what they gained, what they liked, what they disliked. So it is a like one, two minute podcast, kind of podcast that's, that we published on our website. Is there any, uh, I know that the, this, the project is still going on, but is there any anecdotes, positive or negative, that you will never forget from the project implementation that you want to share with uh -huh. us? And 
Well, I'm I'm not really sure about the anecdote, but when I already mentioned, the biggest challenge was this. Uh, COVID, uh, COVID pandemic, uh, and we didn't, we, uh, this seasonal, second seasonal school was actually planned in June, uh, according to the project timeline. Uh, however, we did not really know uh, till the very last minute whether we will be able to, we would be able to uh, conduct it because uh, it's this the instability of this situation and no no actually no for no possibility to forecast what's going to happen in future is the is the worst uh, worst scenario for any kind of project uh, especially when you are limited with the, in terms of timeline um, and that, I, that this is the biggest challenge at the moment. And the ne on the next phase, actually, we have to uh, conduct a series of workshops, local workshops in each target region by the, the trained activists. Uh, they themselves should act as a dim disseminators of knowledge that they gain. But we still don't have no idea what's going to happen. And if, if, they, if those uh, events are going to happen in fall. So, um, that's the biggest challenge at the moment. I'm not sure whether it qualifies as an anecdote, but uh, that that's the thing that bothers us at the moment. Cross fingers. Yeah. Uh, even if the project is still ongoing, uh, what would you say that are the main lessons learned from the project planning and activities and some advice that you would give to anyone planning to set up a similar initiative? And, and what would be the do's and don'ts that you can think of at this point? Um, I, I would say that um, this uh, our strategy of working with the local community, uh, I, under strategy I mean this uh, uh, collaborating with the local organizations was a very uh, good step, uh, a good strategy that we, um, that we um, used uh, because uh, uh, those organizations have much more trust from the population and much more possibility to uh, actually make any change on the ground and actually get be, be listened to or be entrusted uh, to uh, than than us outsiders coming from the capital. Um, uh, so. For for future, I would say that anyone who wants to wants to uh, get in the region and actually make any impact uh, can use the strategy of working with the local organizations that uh, that not only have much better access, but they they by all means have the language skills that is uh, that we don't. Uh, they understand much better what the local population challenge, uh, what, what they face, what what problems they have, what um, uh, what they think of how to solve their problems. Uh, so I, I would recommend this strategy to any any uh, future future endeavors that any organization would take. In terms of don'ts, um, I would. Uh, uh, I would also um, stress the language barrier. Uh, so conducting the conducting those seminars or trainings in Georgian language is a is a is a real challenge um, because in this case you have to hire the translator 
uh, and uh, that, that complicates a lot uh, the process of the uh, the dynamics, the process of the uh, event itself. So, uh, all, so con somehow conducting this uh, kind of seminars in local language will be a uh, much better idea, I would say. Uh, I'm not saying that you should not conduct the uh, training in Georgian language. Of course not. We ourselves did that because uh, there is no other option. However, um, somehow trying to address this uh, language barrier would be would be a good idea for anyone wishing to work on the on the ground. And you have mentioned <laughs> earlier about the possible exploitation, even if you haven't completed your project, but you had plans on how to use your results. But what would you say is still left to do in this field that will not be covered by your project and that might be a good follow-up for you, for a future project, or for someone else who wants to work in this area? Uh, I would say there are lots of opportunities you can explore, lots of different spheres. Um, uh, in addition, like the um, we, this project is all about the um, disseminating knowledge about the EU and the EU integration, but EU integration also covers many other aspects. I don't know, uh, human rights, uh, tolerance. We somehow we incorporated these uh, topics into our, into our training sessions, but still these are the topics that actually need further, uh, further work on it. What, uh, what, what, is, uh, what is the negative uh, effect of the uh, anti-EU propaganda that, uh, that our population hugely is exposed to because of this very um, hostile environment and hostile neighbor we have uh, in the north uh, that actually actually yeah so sorry for, for this political no names, political names. minor minor detail but that's that's the reality that's the main issue that we are facing right now especially in case of not only in the uh, in case of ethnic minorities but at some point with the majority as well uh, because um, georgia is a quite a traditional um, country valuing its traditions and uh, that's the focal point that this disinformation uh, campaigns tackle uh, spreading various uh, myths how EU is uh, threatening Georgian identity and so far so there are lots of uh, areas to explore uh, lots of different topics to address uh, which is Kind of combined in the in the wider EU integration topic, so to say. So you touched it a little bit about this European study, but what is your general opinion about the internationalization aspects in the European studies, and how do you mm -hmm. see the, the future in terms of opportunities and threats in mm -hmm. this field? So, uh, in general, I strongly believe that, as a, as a researcher working in the field of higher education, I strongly believe that internationalization of education is a, um, is a vital thing in general in the contemporary world, and especially for, for the country, country like Georgia. So, uh, considering all those problems that I mentioned, the solid Western course, the Soviet past that still, uh, still affects um, many aspects of the country's development and in that environment we discussed already. Um, so um, uh, this, uh, the, the, these, are, uh, these are the challenges that need to be addressed by education. Uh, and the uh, European studies is the area that's, that can that can give us very, very important results. Um, 
uh, in terms of of overcoming those problems that I uh, that I mentioned earlier. So I believe that supporting these European studies programs, uh, formal or in, in terms of formal or informal education, supporting the knowledge about the EU, its culture, its politics, uh, a way of living, uh, uh, and different different like day-to-day uh, -day, uh, everyday aspects of. Uh, uh, you not only in the normative, I mean, not only in the normative documents that can be produced and nobody, nobody like the population will not uh, actually read, but like uh, spread, uh, spreading this information about uh, European way of living, European way of constructing the country, that, that, that is very, very important for the country like, uh, like Georgia. And that's the area where our kind, like the organizations like ours, and furthermore, the universities can, uh, can explore and should explore um, and work in this direction. So uh, I'm not about the, I, I'm not sure about the uh, threats uh, that, um, this area, internationalization of European studies faces, uh, but there are lots of opportunities, I would say, and supporting this in terms of academic studies, maybe not non-academic studies, informal education as well is very important, I believe. I guess the only way, only way that we can do, like the educators can do, is support the study of the EU uh, locally among the students, among the population, and that's, that's our role, I believe. Diana Lishava, thank you very much for joining us in this podcast. And we I'm wish so you good luck in this next phase of the project. Thank you. Thank you. Thank Thanks you for inviting for me and for, for this opportunity to speak about our project. And I also wish your podcast luck and very interesting further, further discussions with your respondents. Thank Thanks. you. Thanks. Thank you. That was an interview with Diana, coordinator of the No EU project. You have been listening to Interlace podcast, the podcast covering internationalization in culture and education. My name is Christopher Fredriksson, and next to me is Mirko Varano, as usual. You can follow us on social media on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook and on our webpage on interlacepodcast.com. <laughs>